Hi, my name is Olivia Mason, and I'm a junior at Venice High School. Today's scripture, scripture passage comes from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the, at the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Olivia, for reading that great story from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis. We are in the midst of a new series, just started last week, looking at the good and unexpected journey, embracing the new course. And we are looking at a variety of characters of Scripture and uh, tracing uh, them and their lives as they come upon uh, new courses in their life, new directions, and discovering what it is that God might be up to in those uh, new chapters of their life. So we are thankful for this opportunity to reflect together on the new course that may be before us. So to that end, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that no matter where the road should take us, that you are the God who promises to walk with us and to hold on to us. And we are grateful, O oh Lord, that even in the midst of this time, that we can trust that you take the journey with us and that you set for us a new course, that we may discover new things for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Jack Murphy, a.k.a. Murph the Surf, was a thief. Not just any thief, but a thief of thieves. Jack Mur Murphy participated in one of the greatest jewel heists 
in the history of America. He and his ring of thieves figured out a way back in 1964 to get into the American Museum of Natural History and managed to walk away with the J.P. Morgan Jewel Collection that included some of the largest and most rare gems in the world, including the Star of India. He and his accomplices were caught three days later and sentenced to three years in prison. But three years in jail was not enough punishment for old Jack because after his release, he continued in his unrepentant ways that led him to all sorts of other criminal behavior and he ended up serving a life sentence for burglary and murder. Now, it was in the midst of this life sentence that Jack Murphy encountered the ministry of a certain prison chaplain. And over the months and years, this ministry grabbed hold of him, wrestled him to the ground, wrestled his pride, his arrogance, his shame, his despair. And in some mysterious way, the divine grabbed hold of Murph the Surf. And before everyone knew it, Murph the Surf was no longer Murph the Surf. He was a changed man, and this changed man began to do all kinds of things that would co convince the parole board that he was, in fact, a changed man. And to the surprise of many, they paroled Jack Murphy far short of his life sentence. And to everyone's surprise, Jack Murph the Surf was a free man with a lot more of life yet to live. And sure enough, in a matter of months, Jack Murphy was back in prison. He went back to prison as a chaplain to do for others what had been done for him, to tell the good news and to wrestle with those for whom life had taken down the wrong path. As far as I know, Jack Murphy is still doing that very same thing today. And when asked to explain it all, Jack Murphy said, God has a sense of humor and a timing and a style all his own. God has a sense of humor and a timing and a style all his own. God has a sense of humor. I suppose that's a risky thing to say at a time like this. Right now, with this season we are in of sheltering in place and rising infection and mounting fear, it may be for some bordering on the inappropriate to raise the prospect that God has a sense of humor. We don't feel much like considering the humor of God right now. We'd rather God get pretty serious, actually, and do something about this virus. Thank you very much. But of course, we know that God doesn't have a hand in these things. God neither orchestrates viruses, nor does God all of a sudden jump in and whisk them away. We, we live in a world where bad things happen, and viruses and diseases and accidents happen, and, and we don't have much control over them. The road goes straight, as we talked about last week, and then all of a sudden comes a sharp turn to the right, and we are on a whole other path of the journey. One we didn't plan on, one we didn't desire, but here we are. So what about this humor of God? Well, it might have been the question asked by that old couple at the beginning of the Bible, Abraham and Sarah. 
Abraham and Sarah, who live in a land far, far away from Canaan, this, this couple who somehow heard the voice of God telling them to pick up and go with their family from their familiar home to this land far away. And, and so they think they're listening to the voice of God because God has not only promised them a new home, but they have it in their head that God is going to start through them a new nation, a, a new culture of people. So off they go with their whole tribe to the strange land, and when they get there, things don't necessarily go as planned. They lose some of their family, and other parts of their family are not very cooperative, and not everybody in the new land is happy to see them. And before they know it, they are looking at themselves, and they're getting up in years, and they still have no children, still no new nation to produce. So they take matters into their own hands, and Abraham fathers a son through Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, but, but it doesn't work out the way they thought it would. And now, all of a sudden, they are 100 years old and 90 years old, respectively, and they've got nothing to show for it. And that's when they get this visit from these three messengers. We don't know if the messengers were angels. We don't know if they might have been a representation of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here come these messengers, and they have a joke to tell. At least that's how Sarah hears their message. They tell Abram that, that Sarah is going to conceive and have a baby. And Sarah overhears the whole thing, and she says, Ha! She can't help herself but laugh. You, you've got to be kidding me. If she didn't laugh, she'd cry. And, and she laughs, of course, because who she is and where she is, and then this idea of what God is going to do, well, it seems a million miles apart. After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? And she laughs at this absurd imagination of God the humor of God that holds out the possibility that God might be able to do something even with their circumstance. That out of the barrenness might come fruit. That out of the age might come infancy. That out of death might come life. She laughs to imagine that a nation of people is already starting in the depths of her womb. You see, to hold out for the humor of God is to hold out for hope. It is to hold out with the imagination that your life and mine, despite the circumstance, is the womb of something new to come. Perhaps you've read the best-selling book by Rebecca Skloot entitled The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which tells the tale of a young mother, Henrietta Lacks, back in 1951, who after delivering her fourth child was found to have cervical cancer. Seventy years ago, of course, they didn't have the treatments we have today, and so despite the work of the best from Johns Hopkins, the cancer spread, and this 31-year-old mother tragically died. No humor in that. No sadder tale could be told. This is not the humor of God, and this is not the plan of God. But then, there is the other part of the story. 
For while she was in treatment, doctors took sample cells from her cancer and discovered this strain of cells, and unlike any other cells they had ever taken from any other form of cancer, these cells continued to replicate and multiply, and they became a line of cells now called HeLa cells, named after the first two letters of Henrietta Lack's first and last names, and these HeLa cells still continue to live and multiply and have proven to be an indispensable tool for research, having contributed to saving hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of lives. They have helped with some of the most important advances in medicine, the polio vaccine, chemotherapy, gene mapping, in vitro fertilization. In Henrietta's mortality has come immortality. Out of barrenness has come fruit. Out of death has come life. Henrietta Lacks could have never imagined in her last days that someday a book would be written, a film would be produced that bore her name and told her story. If brought back 70 years later to 2020 and shown what had come from her and what it had done with all these things, improving the lives of millions of people, maybe all that Henrietta could do would laugh. Sometimes, the circumstances are not what we could ever want them to be. But the laugh comes when we can imagine the possibility of what God's love can do. Paul says, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And I suppose what he means by that is that those who can imagine the loving ways of God, those who can imagine that God's love is real and moving and always seeking to bring about good, these are the ones who remain open to the hope that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what new course has fallen upon us, no matter what twist there may be in the road, it is this living God who can bring fruit out of barrenness and life out of death. Life magazine several years ago asked a whole range of people if they would try to explain the meaning of life. And they asked an 11-year-old boy, Jason Gaze, who had been diagnosed with cancer, what he thought the meaning of life was. And, and this is the amazing thing he wrote. When my friend Kim died of cancer, I asked my mom, if, if God was going to make Kim die when she was only six, why did he make her born at all? But my mom said that even though she was only six, she changed people's lives. And what that means is like her brother or sister could be the scientist that discovers the cure for cancer, and they decided to do that because of Kim. And like me too, I used to wonder, why did God pick on me and give me cancer? Maybe it was because he wanted me to be a doctor who takes care of kids with cancer, so that when they say, Dr. Jason, I get so scared, or, or you don't know how weird it is to be the only bald kid in your whole school, I could say, oh, yes, I do. I had cancer, and look at all my hair now. To hold out for the humor of God is to hold out for hope. It is to hold out with imagination that your life and mine, despite the circumstance, despite what the dangerous world throws at us, your life and mine can still be the womb of something new to come. That's what came to mind when I read about Roxanne Black 
When Roxanne Black was 15 years old, she was diagnosed with a rather virulent form of lupus that quickly ravaged her body and led her down a path she would never have chosen for herself. Treatment caused her hair to fall out, her joints to swell, her body to gain weight, all of which came at the very worst time for a young 15-year-old woman trying to get a good start to her life. It was often that she would ask herself, why me, why me? One day when she was being driven by her mother to another doctor's appointment, she asked the question aloud, why me? And her mother, through the rearview mirror, looked at her and said, maybe, maybe you got sick for some reason. And that was the aha. That was the turning point. Soon after, she was forced to undergo two kidney transplants, and she ended up with two kidneys that had been donated from an eight-month-old baby. They remain in her today. When, when asked about these gifts within her, Roxanne said, I want to make those parents of that baby proud. I want to transform as many lives as I can. I want to do as much good as I can in the world. In other words, I want to participate in the humor of God who lays open the possibility of good things arising out of bad things. And so it's no surprise to read that Roxanne Black has given her life over to helping kids and people of all ages deal with lupus and other illnesses. She's formed a national network called Friends Health Connection that connects people of all ages with same-age people who are dealing with illnesses and need the support of folks their same age. I want to, she said, I want to put a purpose to my pain. I want to participate in the humor of God. I want to hold on to that hope that all things will work together for some good. I want to put purpose to my pain. I, God doesn't inflict people with lupus, but God's love can bring about life from lupus. I love that line in John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath, that harrowing tale of the Joad family and their effort to survive the Great Depression and escape the devastating Dust Bowl. The matriarch of the family, Ma Joad, sees it as her mission to hold the family together and to not let them dwell on what they did not have, but instead on what they did have. And Steinbeck writes, it was her habit to build up laughter out of inadequate material. And don't you wonder if that isn't the mission of God, the mission of God's love, to build up for us laughter out of inadequate material. No surprise then, when nine months after her humorous visit from those messengers, that Sarah delivered her firstborn, and she named him Isaac, which means the one who laughs. And Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me, and everyone who hears will laugh with me, for God has built up laughter out of inadequate material. Who's to know what this time holds for us? Who's to know what strange and new course we will take? Who's to imagine what will become of things barren and uncertain? Sometimes, even in a pandemic, 
God has a humor and a timing and a style, all God's own. And sometimes it's best to hope in the laugh to come.